You're listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Advances in Long-Term Care Medicine, produced in cooperation with AMDA. Your host is Dr. Eric Tangelos, Professor of Medicine at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, and a Certified Medical Director in Long-Term Care. How significant of an issue are adverse drug events in long-term care, and what can we do to prevent such events from occurring? Joining us to discuss improving medication safety in the nursing home setting is Dr. Stephen Handler, Assistant Professor in the Department of Biomedical Informatics and Department of Geriatric Medicine at the University of Pittsburgh School of Medicine. Dr. Handler is also the Medical Director for Long-Term Care Health Information Technology for the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center. Steve, thanks for joining us on this program. Well, thanks for inviting me. Well, tell us about medication safety in long-term care. Sure. So just as way of background, so the audience gets a better understanding, as we all know, that older adults who reside in nursing homes have a lot of comorbid disease and as a result take a fair number of medications. And about 60% of nursing home residents are prescribed greater than or equal to nine medications which is the definition of polypharmacy by the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services. Unfortunately, as a a byproduct of polypharmacy and using lots of medications, we can sometimes see the development of an adverse drug event, and you can define that as an injury resulting from a medical intervention related to a drug. In terms of the public health significance, unfortunately, these are the most frequent medication-related adverse events, and there's about 2 million of these events that occur per year when you look at all the U.S. nursing homes combined. They're also the most clinically significant, with about 93,000 deaths per year, and also the most costly, with about $4 billion of excess health care expenditures annually. Now, we don't survey, the surveyors don't look at nine drugs per se as a bad outcome, but clearly the more drugs you're on, the more risk you run. Right. In fact, that's the only consistent risk factor if you look across all studies, especially nursing homes, when you look at the epidemiology of what causes adverse drug events or what's associated with adverse drug events is polypharmacy. Although there's a definition that we sometimes abide to with CMS, there's other definitions. And because of the inconsistencies of those definitions, even in these studies, we still don't know what the number is. One other point is we know that older adults are living longer. They have more comorbid illness. And it's rightfully appropriate in many instances to use lots of different medications. So the absolute number itself isn't necessarily the most important thing. Is each agent in and of itself important to use? Well, give us some examples of what actually goes wrong, some of the common things that are qualified as adverse drug events, and then some of the expenses that might be involved with this as well. One of the most common types of adverse drug events have to do with uh, monitoring errors. And unlike in ambulatory care or uh, acute care, what we see are these monitoring errors, which are the primary reason for an adverse drug event in nursing homes. And what that really means is inadequate laboratory evaluation of drug therapy or delayed response or failure to respond to signs or symptoms of drug toxicity or laboratory evidence of toxicity. And this happens because all of us as clinicians, we in essence have a distributed amount of labor and assessing the resident in the nursing home, and we almost always defer to the other person, and therefore it doesn't get done in terms of the monitoring. So let's say, for example, I'll give you a clinical scenario where we have an older adult, and and let's say they're just on a couple of different medications even, which is is not the norm, as I said, but uh, just to make it simple for discussion. Since the amount of data that we collect in nursing homes is significantly less than what you would see in acute care or ambulatory care, things can go wrong and we don't even know it. So if you take an older adult who 
stopping or slowing down the amount of fluid that they're drinking or food that they're consuming, there may be changes in their BUN and creatinine that reflect acute kidney injury, but since we're not getting labs that frequently and we're not getting the change in the amount of consumption reported in many instances to the right person, we oftentimes miss that information. So we can have a patient who kind of continues to drift downward and become either hospitalized or require all of a sudden IV fluids or much worse outcomes can occur. Sure. Anticoagulation being one, electrolyte imbalance being another, these things just kind of slide under the radar screen. So I can tell you're chopping at the bit to tell us about some of the exciting things that you've been up to with regards to the management, how to look at these things, how to monitor these things. So tell us what's out there right now, and then we'll move further into what you're up to. Right now, what's out there is a limited amount of ways to detect these events. What we have, as we all know, are the monthly medication regimen reviews that are done by consultant pharmacists who come into the nursing homes on a monthly basis. And this is a federal mandate, so this is something that occurs. But to be quite honest in defense of what they do, their primary job is to really look for the regulatory issues, and they don't focus a lot on detecting average drug events. That's not really their main goal. They also don't have a lot of time to do that. So given that, and probably more importantly, they don't have the right tools. Given that, these events can really occur and even slip by those individuals who are really even looking for things that are related potentially to adverse drug events. So what we found in our research is that you know, there are very poor systems right now for detection of adverse drug events. What we're trying to look at is to build systems that are better at detecting the events. And our belief is that the sooner that you can detect an event or an event that's in evolution, the less harm and risky it is to the individual resident. And perhaps you can, quote-unquote, save them from much worse outcomes, such as going to the hospital or requiring the IV fluids. So the sooner you capture this data and respond to it, it's likely that you can do something to rectify the situation. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Advances in Long-Term Care Medicine from ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Eric Tangalos, and joining me to discuss improving medication safety in the nursing home setting is Dr. Stephen Handler, assistant professor in the Department of Biomedical Informatics and Department of Geriatric Medicine at the University of Pittsburgh School of Medicine. Dr. Handler is also the medical director for long-term care health information technology for the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center. Steve, let's keep going on this concept of monitoring. Again, reminding the audience at this point in time that we're talking about nursing home, the least sophisticated environment in healthcare out there, and yet you've got programs in place that are actually looking at an advanced warning system to keep people out of trouble. Go on with your discussion. Sure. So basically, although nursing homes, if you look at any study that looks at health information technology penetration, that is the use of electronic medical records, clinical decision support, et cetera, you would see very clearly that they're sort of at the bottom of the barrel and even meaningful use doesn't apply to nursing homes. So the incentives for clinical decision support and electronic medical record systems are unlikely to reach nursing homes anytime soon. Despite that, there's actually a fair amount of data that's in electronic format in nursing homes. If you repurpose and or reuse the data, you actually can do a lot with it. So let me explain what that data is. So every single nursing home resident that's admitted to a nursing home or has a change in status once they've been admitted, and also on a quarterly basis, has a minimum data set that is collected. And this is a standardized instrument that collects information about demographics, functional status, cognition, 
et cetera, and is used to really, one, better understand the patients. And finally, with MDS 3.0, which came out in October of 2010, we have a lot more valid and reliable instruments to use for cognitive impairment, for delirium, for depression, et cetera. And what we're doing is essentially looking at data that's in the minimum data set that's required of every single nursing home resident that is admitted in the United States. So we're processing that data. We're also processing data that comes from the laboratory service provider. And each nursing home often doesn't have a laboratory in-house to do blood work or to look at urine or to look at the infectious diseases. But what they do is they partner and have a contract with a laboratory service company. And that company provides that service but generates lots of electronic data, which often happens to be off-site and not in the nursing home per se. And then the third big bit of electronic data that's available is pharmacy data. Once again, the pharmacy data systems in nursing homes, including order entry, including medication administration records, if they're electronic, most are not, they're not very sophisticated. But back in the pharmacy, those information and that information rather is widely available in electronic format. So now you have these three bins essentially of data. You have the minimum data set, you have laboratory data, and you have pharmacy data. And if you pull that together and then you apply to it certain logic, you can use that logic to detect adverse drug events that are in evolution. And the set of rules that we use to detect adverse drug events was developed based on expert consensus by geriatricians, pharmacists, and advanced practitioners, and was published in the Journal of the American Geriatric Society back in 2008. And we've used those rules to build our current system. So we feel that although most nursing homes don't have a lot of information technology, that we can harness the data that's generated as a byproduct of normal workflow and to repurpose it for advancing and detecting other important outcomes in the nursing home setting. And that's really based on our pilot work, and I'd be happy to talk to you some more about our current research as well. Let's stay with this because, I mean, our listeners are, you know, long-term care professionals. They want to do the best they can in the nursing home. They understand that medication management is a huge issue and medication misadventures happen all of the time. You've got the publications. You've got the work in progress. What can get translated more immediately to our practices in long-term care? We realized early on that there's a lot of places that even, you know, after I described that this data is available electronically, it still is hard to actually harness yourself as an individual, as a practitioner in the field. So what we've developed in partnership with the Institute for Healthcare Improvement is a trigger tool. And the trigger tool itself is, in essence, a way to apply a finite list. And in our list, there are 40 triggers or snippets to help you do targeted chart review. And the targeted chart review would allow you to almost think like our computer thinks to detect these events. But unfortunately, or fortunately, however you might look at it, you have to do that in a manual way. That is, you you take the uh, paper chart and then you go through it using the trigger tool side by side with the chart. And then you look for the presence of these triggers, which may indicate the presence of an adverse drug event. So this was published just last year in the Annals of Long-Term Care, an IHI-endorsed nursing home trigger, and it's the only one that's been endorsed by this organization. So people that are not in a situation where they can use a computer system to automate the detection, they can do it almost right away with these tools that are available in the public domain. You've got some other exciting things going on at the University of Pittsburgh right now with regards to your research. And in our closing minutes, why don't you talk about some of that? 
Sure. So what I've been describing so far, in essence, has been the pilot work that's sort of setting the stage and foundation for what we've started to embark on already for the last eight months, uh, doing a lot of background and then set up for a randomized controlled trial that was now sponsored by the Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality. So it's an R01 grant. It's funded for four years. And specifically, it's looking to see if our system can help enhance the detection and also the management of adverse drug events. And the other piece, what we're going to be doing is looking at the cost. And that is, we're going to look at the cost of the actual system development to see whether or not this is generalizable to other nursing home facilities or other health systems. And in essence, the randomized controlled trial will take individual physicians who are going to be practicing in one of our four UPNC nursing homes and randomize them either to usual care, which is the regular monthly medication regimen review, or they'll receive medication regimen review plus they'll receive a bunch of other things, which includes academic detailing, which will have a pharmacist go to their office and talk to them about the importance and significance of adverse drug events. They'll also be available when an alert fires. In fact, when alert is generated, it'll go to the consultant pharmacist who will then directly speak with the physician and put the patient in context so that they can work together as a team to determine what the steps are in terms of managing that patient and the alert that's been generated from the computer. And then they're also going to be doing some standardized chronic laboratory monitoring for steady state medications, things that are prescribed over months to ensure that monitoring is done. For example, if someone's on a statin to ensure that someone's checking the ALT and AST to make sure that there's no hepatotoxicity because we often fail to do that because we can't remember when the last time is we've done that lab test or it's difficult to find in the chart. So that's what we're doing right now. We're about to start randomizing physicians and we're also going to be partnering most likely with Apple and using the iPhone and FaceTime specifically to have an interaction between the consultant pharmacist and the physician to really give it that human touch. And, you know, although I've talked a lot about technology, you know, the technology here is really not the main piece. It's really about the individual relationship between the pharmacist and the physician. And I think this will go a long way towards improving that relationship and providing really useful, timely information that can hopefully change the course and prevent really serious adverse drug events from occurring. I would like to thank my guest from the University of Pittsburgh School of Medicine, Dr. Stephen Handler. Steve, thank you very much for being our guest this week on Advances in Long-Term Care Medicine. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. You have been listening to Advances in Long-Term Care Medicine from ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Advances in Long-Term Care Medicine is produced in cooperation with AMDA. For more information about this or any other show, please visit ReachMD.com, which now features on-demand podcasts.